All right, let's go ahead and open our prayers. We get ready to look at the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you in song. And Lord, we ask your spirit guide and lead as we look at your word. And we just thank you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6. I was saying earlier to the people, this was an interesting time to study because there's only four more verses left in the book of Timothy, but there was just so much in it, it was either going to be one very long sermon today or two fairly short sermons. I kind of opted for two short sermons, especially since how this week was communion week. So we're going to split it into two. Um, so 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 17. Charge them that are rich in the world that they... Be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So I'm looking at this set of verses and, you know, one of the attitudes we have as human beings so often is the desire somehow to get rich, somehow to get famous, thinking that somehow all of that is going to fulfill us. And I share so many times, you know, we think, you know, God, if I just had all these things, I'd be happy. You know, and it's a great thing to think that maybe, you know, I don't really think it's even a good thing to think that because in the long run, you get there and you find out, Happiness isn't in stuff. And point out to everybody, if you don't believe me, just look through the, the tabloids and everything. How many of these people that get rich and famous are addicted to drugs and alcohol and still looking for something, and you find out they blow their brains out or they overdose on the drugs? Why? Because they, they got what they thought was going to make them happy, and they didn't get there. Uh, you know, Pascal said that everybody has a God-shaped vacuum in their life. All right, we all are created to have God fill our life. And without him filling our life, there'll never be joy. There'll never be pleasure, ultimately. Yeah, you can, you can enjoy the stuff for a short period of time. You can enjoy, you know, the brand new car, the new house, the, the new TV, the new whatever it is, and you'll enjoy it for a short period of time. But eventually, it becomes empty. You know, the great news that I have had you know, in my life was following God. Does that mean I'm happy all the time? No, I'm not happy all the time. Nobody's going to be happy all the time, but there's a joy that's deep down inside knowing God is in control. And this is what he's telling. He says, Paul says, charge those that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. You know, don't think that there's something special just because they have goods. You know, and there's nothing wrong with having goods. There's nothing wrong with even being rich. Job was rich. Uh, Abraham was rich. You know, there's lots of people in the Bible who were very wealthy. But they didn't put their trust in their riches. They put their trust in God. If you read the book of Job, God took everything away from Job, and all of his friends accused him of being stingy and being all these other things. And he knows, I've been, giving, you know, I've been giving away my money. I hope those that are poor have done all these things. And you know, they're going, well, if you'd have done all this stuff, if you were really a good man, bad things wouldn't have happened to you. Don't ever fall for that. The, the rain falls on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. You know, bad things happen to everybody. You know, uh, 
you know, when we had 9-11 happen and the world towers were hit, there were a lot of good people in those towers. You know, the towers weren't filled with all bad people. God didn't tell all those good people, you guys stay home, the tower's going to be destroyed today. No, it was just an event that happened and many good people, what we would call good people, died. And, you know, one of the things I keep telling people, you've heard this a lot from me, when bad things happen to some people, a lot of people will go, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I got news for every one of us. That's the wrong question. The real question is, why does good things uh, happen to anybody who's bad? Because we are all bad people. Even when we're saved, we're in our heart, we have the flesh that wants to be bad. Now, we have a spirit in us that says, don't do it. You know, we have the spirit in us that when we are doing it, is telling us, you're not supposed to be doing this, but we still do bad things. In our flesh, we want to do bad things. Now, the more we walk with God, the less bad things we will probably do, hopefully, if we're maturing. But we still end up doing bad things. And this is what he's telling these people. He says, tell those that are rich, don't think you're special. You know, some of us may know people who think they're better than we are because they have more stuff. You know, I don't know if anybody in this room knows any millionaires. I, I only know one or two myself, but, and the ones I know are fairly humble people. I don't know anybody who's, who's a millionaire who's, who's flaunting it, but I don't run in those circles. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we see them. We see them a lot of the times you read about them in the magazines. You'll read about, you'll see the news articles, how they think they're special, how they, how they think they have to be treated special because they've got more. They've got more than everybody else, and they think that's going to help them, and it doesn't. And this is what uh, Paul is telling Timothy. Tell them not to be that way, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Now, I kind of like this one, uncertain riches. Do you realize how easy it is to lose everything? You know, go back to the Great Depression. If you know your history, I don't think anybody's old enough to be remembering the Great Depression other than some of the results of it. But we had all these people that were paper millionaires. They had their stocks and everything, and the stock market crashed. And overnight, they lost everything. Many of them got so despair, despondent from it that they went out and committed suicide and killed themselves because they had lost everything that their hope was in. You know, we need to be careful about that. You know, there's lots of people we meet that their, their retirement is based on their 401k. Their retirement is based on whatever human riches they might have. And I'm not saying don't plan on, on retiring, don't put money away, but remember that our per God is our provider in the long run. If the market fell apart and crashed today, and you know it's possible when you look at all the signs out there, it's possible that the market could crash at any time. We need to be ready for that and know that God is our hope. Not my 401k, not my government pension, nothing is, is what I put my hope in, but God. Again, that doesn't mean don't go out and plan, don't try to pre you know, prepare yourself, but just be aware that God ultimately is our hope. And this is what he's saying. Tell them not to trust in their riches. You know, Job had a whole bunch of riches, and he lost all of it overnight, not even because of bad things in the economy, but because Satan said, you know, if you took away his riches, he'll curse you, God. And God said, okay, take away his riches. You know, who knows what could cause problems in our life?
Don't put our trust in stuff. The stuff is not going to be, make us happy, and the stuff is not something that we can be dependent upon in the long run. Our dependence must be in God. And this is what he's saying. Tell them not to trust. You know, and it's pretty easy to start trusting in your stuff if you make enough. You know, and they tell us you know, that it is more likely for the poor person to give, to give a tithe to God than the rich person. The rich person is trusting in their stuff and figuring out, oh, well, I don't, don't need to give God. You know, besides which, God, do you, need my, do you need my $500 tithe, my $600 tithe? And you go, well, you know, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, I, I understand that mentality because when you're poor, your tithe might be, you know, okay, God, I made $300 this, this, this week, so you get, you get to have 30 of it. I can't do anything with the $30 anyway, so God, I'm giving it to you and get you to bless it. And you get enough money, and all of a sudden your tithe becomes three or $400. You might, have to, you might think, to, wow, God, if I kept this, I could pay a whole bunch of bills with this. You know, we don't want to be careful of that. That's putting our trust in what we have instead of our trust in God. And we want to be able to say, God, I want to put my trust in you. And it says, don't put your trust in your uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives to us richly all things to enjoy. I love watching God provide. I hope you've been there and seen that happen. You know, God, I'm just waiting to see how you're going to provide. You know, and sometimes it's kind of scary to live that way. I'll give you, a, give you a problem is that God likes to wait to the last moment so that you know that it's him that provided. You know, he doesn't usually give you what you need two weeks in advance. So, okay, God, I got that money to pay the bills. <laughs> He'll give it to you the day before you need to pay the bill, the last second before you need to pay the bill, whatever it might be. And God says, let me show you you know, almost like God wants to show off sometimes. I want to make sure that you know it's me that's done this. Because what would happen if he gave us it early? We're going, okay, look at what I got. You know, I earned this. I did this. You know, it wasn't God, but God, by waiting, says, I want you to know it's me. And we want to be able to say, God, thank you. We sang this song, Count Your Blessings. And that really is one of the songs I love. You know, what has God done for us? I have heard people say, well, God's not done anything for me. You know, I don't know. Do you, have a, do you have a house? Do you have your meals? Do you have your health? You know, what, 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 you know, look at the book of Job. What, could, what else could be taken away from you? You know, uh, you know, did you wake up this morning on, on this side of the earth? I'm not always so sure that that's a blessing because of the, the alternative for those who are his children is we wake up and find ourselves in heaven. Uh, so that may or, may or may not be a blessing, <laughs> but it does give us a chance to depend on God some more. You know, where is our dependence? Are we looking to be dependent upon God or on the stuff that I can get? Let me see what I can earn, what I can, can be, receive. But we've got to understand that anything we can get is all by a gift of God anyway. He's the one that gives us the power and the strength to be able to work. He's the one that gives us the talents to be able to do the work. And he's saying, trust in me. And how easy is it sometimes to sit back and say, well, God, if I just did this, I know it's not right, God, but if I just did this, I could. And God say, no, I want you to trust me. That is one of those temptations sometimes. 
to go out and do things wrong to try to, to get things. And God says, no. He's the living God who blesses abundantly. God wants trust in him, and he rewards abundantly. And this is kind of an interesting thing, especially here in America. We get kind of, we're kind of spoiled in America. You know, there's so much in America that we look at things and go, God, you know, I want so much more. You know, we had a couple years ago the big 1% movement, you know, the 1% the wealthiest people in America have all the money. Well, the bad news for us as Americans are, as far as the world goes, the poorest of Americans are pretty much in the 1% in the world. You know, if you don't believe me, go travel sometime. Go travel and see the way the rest of the world lives. People think they're really rich if they have a one-room one room hut that's barely got any doors or, or anything. And they think they're well off. And in their country, they may be well off. You know, we get spoiled in America thinking that we need so much. And we need to be careful to be able to count our blessings. One of your blessings that be for us in America is that we live in America. <laughs> Now, that, you know, that's a quite a blessing. And again, if you go around the world, you'll see how much of a blessing that is. And God provides. Then he tells them what to do. He's given them a bunch of things, what not to do. Then he says to them in verse 18, that they do good, that they may be rich in good works. Okay. So God is saying do good. Do good things that you may be rich in good works. Jesus said it, put your treasures in heaven where moth and, and rust does not corrupt. We will be rewarded in the long, for eternity for things we do for God. That means if I deprive myself in this world of all the stuff that I could be having, but I distribute that to other people, that's a good thing. This is why God asks us to give tithes and offerings. Not because he says, well, you know, I'm just so poor, I need your money. God will provide even for the church. You know, if people didn't want to give to the church, God would make sure that we got the money to have the church. You know, and just let you all know, it's amazing to me, as the longer I've been in church, people realize, don't realize the church pays electric, they pay water, they pay, they pay all the bills you pay. And the churches, you know, something I recently found out are, are considered businesses, so they pay business rates for all of these things, which are higher than you pay at home. You know, I, I've actually met people that go, well, why is the church have budgeting for electric? Don't they get it for free? Oh, yeah, the, the utilities out of their goodwill, pick, you know, just give it to us. No, that's, you know, they, they charge at business rates. But, you know, God will provide for the church. He just gives us the pleasure and the honor of helping him because he owns everything including what we have that we think is ours we are just his stewards and God is telling the rich you know be good do do kind things with your with what you have that you will have riches stored up riches stored up you know, what are some of the good things that we can do it's not all about money you know, it is about telling people about Jesus he that winneth souls is a wise person. You know, how many people do we talk to about Jesus? Now, this is something that's important for us. Why does God keep us on this world after we become a Christian? So we can tell others about him? Plain and simple. Our job is to tell people about Christ. You know, 
The first thing and the most important thing is that everybody is lost and going to hell without Jesus. You can't do enough good things to get to heaven. All right? And this is something that is really important for us to be able to understand. You know, what is sin? What is evil? You know, I've heard a lot of people that tell me, well, I'm basically a good person. Well, you all know my second job is at the prison. You know how many times I hear prisoners tell me they're basically a good person, that they're better than most of the people they know? And I'm going, well, that's pretty good. Seems how you know other prisoners. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, God does not grade us on being better than anybody else. He grades us according to his standard. And his standard is perfection. And if you're not perfect, he says you failed. One sin would keep you out of heaven without Jesus Christ. One sin. That's all it takes. And everybody I know, including myself, does more than one sin in their lifetime. Most people do more than one sin every hour. Might even do more than one sin each minute. Because when God looks at sin, he looks at what are you thinking about? What are you, what are you acting on is secondary. You know, all the bad thoughts that we think go, go through our mind, and God says, you've committed sin. You know, but so we all have a problem with sin. And it is such a big problem, you'll never get rid of it. In Jeremiah, we're told that our heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? That goes for those who have been following God for 100 years or those of you who have been following God for one year or one minute. Your heart is desperately wicked. Yes, God puts a new heart in us and he restores the spirit in us. But now that spirit just says, oh, when I've sinned, I've got a problem and I recognize I have a problem. Before that, it was I didn't recognize I had a problem. I just sinned without recognizing it. And as is told in this day, the ignorance of the law is no excuse. God says the same thing. Just because you didn't think you knew that you were breaking my laws does not mean that you didn't break my law. Now, he put a conscience in us. Very few people sin without knowing, at least initially, that they were sinning. They may be able to get hard toward it and say, no, I don't, I don't recognize it as a sin anymore. But there was a time when they knew it was a sin. Now, when God puts his spirit in us, oh, man, I've heard many people go, well, I can't do anything without God getting after me. That's a good thing. I like to hear that. <laughs> because hopefully it'll keep you from doing wrong. And at least put you on your knees to repent when you do wrong. And I know that feeling. I know when I sin, it's like, God, why did I do that? Please forgive me. And I'm guilty of a lot of things, too. You know, it's so easy. How many of us have caught ourselves talking with somebody else and then realizing we're in the middle of gossip? We're in the middle of tearing somebody down and not edifying and building them up. It is so easy to get to that place. I have caught myself a couple of times, and I hate it with a passion to be there. And sometimes I've caught myself. Go, no, stop. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing this anymore. We're not talking about this anymore. You know, and it's so easy because our flesh likes it. <laughs> our flesh likes to do what's wrong. And we want to be careful with this and be able to say, God, help me get the right things. Help me put treasures in heaven. For those of us who are Christians, when we die, we're going to stand at the Bema seat of Christ. 
That's the judgment seat of Christ where he's going to say, let's take a look at all your works. And this is what he's telling them. Put treasures in heaven. Jesus is going to take all these, all the works we've done and basically throw them in a, in a great big fireplace and oven, however you want to look at it, and see what comes out. And say, here's your rewards. Ultimately, my goal and my heart is that I'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my, your reward. The last thing I want to hear is, well, you made it in by grace. And that's better than not making it in, granted. <laughs> but I'd like to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know? And this is something that we look at. What rewards will we take into heaven? Now, honestly, I don't know what value rewards are going to have in heaven. But he talks about rewards in heaven. So I'm going to go, okay, God talks about it. There must be some value in having his rewards in heaven. You know, I, I've described it as the idea of, you know, being in a studio apartment in the basement, which is better than not being there at all, and maybe making it to the penthouse suite. I don't plan to be at the penthouse suite. <laughs> but hopefully I'm somewhere <laughs> in between the two extremes. What are we looking at? He says, do good that you will get rewards stored up. Jesus talked about the rewards stored up. Then he says, ready to distribute, ready to communicate. Kate, distribute, pass out, using what God has given to them to help others. Now, what are we accumulating wealth for? Many Christian financial advisors have said, you know, we need to determine how much is enough money to put away and how much needs to be invested into the kingdom. God is not giving us money so that we can just pile up money in our accounts. He's saying, how are you going to help the kingdom? And this is something we all have to decide. How much money do we need to live on? You know, uh, and I've been there. I know what it's like. You know, the more money you make, the, the more you spend. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but are you also looking to help others? Or are you being greedy and using everything on yourself? This is something, this wasn't supposed to be an <laughs> offering message. It's not, you know. But, you know, he's saying distribute. Are you willing to help? I know there's lots of people, in, even in our church, that are willing to help people and, and do whatever little they can help. And that's important. Our food bank runs on the generosity of the people in the, in the church giving to help others. You know, we've got people in this church that will help feed people if, they're, if they need it. You know, we need to be able to say, what is it that we're going to do? How are we going to reach out to others? You know, how are we going to show generosity? And you know what? You don't have to be rich to be generous. Because you're not generous when you're poor, you're definitely not going to be generous when you're rich. And I've heard people say, well, if I, did, if I had so much money, I would. And usually they say, tithe to the church and everything. Oh, no, you wouldn't. If you're not going to do it when you're, when you're poor, you're not going to do it when you're rich. Your heart is not changing just because you get money. You're either going to help people right out from the beginning, or you're not going to help people later on. You know, your heart's not going to all of a sudden, well, you know, I'm real stingy with it, but I do have, um, when I get rich, I'm going to be very generous. Nope, you won't. Now, you may have people taking your stuff and begging you and, and, and getting it that way, but you're not going to all of a sudden open up your heart. And this is what God's telling them. Be compassionate. Distribute freely. And to communicate. This word for communicate here really is the base word of koinonia, to have fellowship with somebody. You know, 
When the early church talked about gathering together in fellowship, the word was koinonia, people with the same way of thinking coming together, communicating, sharing one with another. You know, in the first century, the church had to be in koinonia and share everything, especially the church of Jerusalem. When those Jews got saved, they were being disowned by their families. Their businesses, if they had a business, and most of them did, would not have anybody coming to buy things from them because they had left the faith. And people would say, nope, don't go to that store. That still happens in the Middle East in, in, in Muslim countries. If you're not a Muslim, you cannot run a business because nobody comes to it. They're going, nope, that's a, that's a Christian. That's a Jew's shop. Don't go there. This is still going on in our world today. Are we ready to fellowship one with another, get to know one another, help one another? I've heard people go, well, no, I don't want the church to know that I have needs. And my question is, why not? I mean, if they don't want to know, I'm not going to tell people, but why not? And a lot of times it's because they have too much pride. They don't want people feeling sorry for them, or they don't want to make people think that they need anything. Well, I've got news for everybody. Everybody needs something. It doesn't really matter where you are. Even in the wealthiest people need something. They may just need love and, and, and true friendship, but they need something. So many people try to say, well, I've got everything. I don't need help. Well, don't isolate yourself like that. Don't be one of those people. We all need something. And it may be that we need just companionship. Might just need love. These people who are trying to make it that I don't need anything, they'll be lying in a hospital with nobody to visit them because they didn't need anything. They didn't need friendship. They didn't need people. And they would just sit back and say, and then they end up dying alone or being alone when they're in, they're in great need. You, know, you may not need financial help, but we need one another. You know, how do you avoid sin? First and foremost, get in the word. <laughs> Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the first step. So that when sin pops its head up, we go, oh, I know your sin. <laughs> You know, not going to do it. But, you know, we also need each other. You know, we need one another. Hebrews tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need each other to be able to be built up. When you're having a hard time and people just say, you know what, you're loved, we care about you. You know, you're, you're really doing a good thing. I appreciate seeing you here. It's wonderful seeing you today. How are you doing? You know, and most of the time we say, well, I'm doing fine. <laughs> you know, and make sure, I mean, don't tell everybody everything is going on in your life. But, you know, share with one or two people that you know will pray for you, that care about you. Get them knowing that you need help. Because you don't know if those prayers will be just what you need. Because they may find themselves praying for you right in the middle of what you're going through. Can't tell you how many times at work or in the middle of the night I'll wake up or I'll be at work and all of a sudden a name will pop into my head. And I'm going, God, I don't know why they're in my in my in my thought process, but whatever's going on right now, help them, bless them, guide them. And many times I'll hear from somebody, man, I had a really hard week. On on such and such day I was going through something and I'm going, that's the exact time that I that they came onto my heart. When God puts a person on your heart, pray for them. If you've got time, call them. 
Now, when I'm at work, I can't do many phone calls there from the prison, but, you know, I will pray. And usually at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to call somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> but I'll pray for them. You know, you probably wouldn't want me calling. Well, if, I, if, you're hard, if you're on my heart, you might be awake anyway, but I'm not taking that chance <laughs> you know, at, that, at that kind of an hour. But, you know, do, how much time do we spend praying for one another? You know, we have the prayer list. I hope you're praying on the, for the people on the prayer list. But, you know, do you spend any time saying, God, just thinking about, God, who, who in the church needs help? Who that is in my circle of friends should be praying for? We need to lift one another up, build one another up. And I've said this so many times. What I really love to hear is when people say, you know, you know what God did this week for me? I like hearing about those things. They're, they're, they build faith. They build encouragement. Yes, God is working. And I used to tell you, I used to love going to work and saying, telling everyone I still do every once in a while, even though I don't have the same, same circles. You know, you know what God did this week for me or what God did yesterday for me? And you just see the look on their face. Oh, no, he's going to give us another story about how good God is. Yep, I'm going to tell you all about how good God is. But, you know, we should be able to share with one another how good God is and rejoice with one another about how good God is. And if somebody's having a hard time, pray for them and cry with them because maybe the next time it'll be us going through the hard time needing that encouragement. Too many times in churches we kind of condemn each other or look down our nose at somebody who's having a hard time. Job's friends look down their nose at him. Job, you must be a really awful person. God's testimony was he was a perfect and upright man that hated evil. And his friends are telling him how bad he is. What kind of friends did he have? You know, hopefully you don't have friends like Job's friends. You know, that we will be good, good friends. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold of eternal life. We're doing good things to store up a foundation in heaven, to build the walls. Jesus is the ultimate foundation, but we build walls with the foundation. We decorate the room, whatever you want to look at it, however you want to look at it. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. Now, in the King James, it talks about mansions. Uh, literally, in that particular phrasing, it would be, we would be using the room suites, okay? Uh, in God's palace, there would be suites of rooms, um, and that's kind of what he's talking about when he says mansions in there in the old King James literally would be a suite of rooms. Now, whether it's one room or an entire floor or whatever, we don't know how, what, what it will be. But God is up there decorating your house. Yeah. And think about that. Jesus has been working on it for at least 2,000 years, and I would say 6,000 years since creation, for our rooms. He created the entire universe in six days. You know, what wonder and, ima and, and imagination must be going into these rooms, these decorated rooms. We, we know, think about interior decorators that make these wonderful places. You know, can't imagine what decorations God's going to put in our rooms. You know, and in an eternal room that we're going to spend eternity with. You know, can you imagine what it would be like in heaven? Millions of people to go visit and get to, get to know real well. Have you ever wanted to say, God, I'd like to go talk to Paul. I'd like to go talk to Jonah. You know, ask Jonah, what, what in the world were you thinking about when you went the other direction, Jonah? I feel sorry for Jonah. He's going to have all kinds of questions about how, you know, running away from God and complaining all the time. You know, 
Chrissy, Adam, and Eve, you know, what were you thinking when you ate that piece of fruit? Uh, you know, there's certain people in the Bible that probably don't want us checking up on them. Uh, but, you know, have you ever read some of these books and you say, wow, I would really like to talk to this person and, you know, and see, what, see what God, how God used them, see, the, see more of the story than what was in their, in their biography? You know, what were they thinking of? How, you know, you know, and you think that's going to surprise us is they were thinking the same thing we do, <laughs> except they stepped out and followed God more, maybe more than we do. You know, when we read these different stories, we read these different things that are going on. You know, we read the characters in the Bible that did great things. They were just like us. You know, they had the same challenges, the same passions, the same choices. They had a choice to follow God or not follow God. Because they followed God, they got, you know, they, we get to know about the good things they did. The bad news, some of the people in the Bible did a lot of bad things that we get to know about. You know, how would you like to have your life written in the Bible? Most of us probably wouldn't want our life written up in the Bible. You know, yeah, they did this, they made the wrong decision, they suffered for 10 years. They did this, and then they made the wrong decision, and they, they did this. Or oh, they did this right and got blessed for a couple days, and then they did this and, and went. You know, I'm almost glad that my, my life is not going to be written in the Bible. God did not hide their sins. Abraham. You know, they have a big problem in Israel right now from all these people. You know, all these people that they're having problems with are descend descendants of Abraham. Because of all the children he produced through Ishmael and through his second wife. After, after Sarah died, he got married again at 110 years old and had another 12 kids. You know, he had more kids from the second wife than he did from the first one. And all those ones are the ones that live in the Middle East causing him problems. <laughs> causing his chosen promised child problems. If only he had known what he was doing. You know, Jonah, of course, is our great story. The only thing he did right was to preach to, preach to Nineveh, and that was kind of forced. <laughs> then he sat on the hillside waiting for God to destroy the city who had repented. You know, such, a, such an issue on there, but where is our treasure? Are we laying a foundation in heaven, or are we trying to lay its foundation on this world? If it's on this world, it's done. Jesus said, if we do our works before men to receive their praises, we've received our, we've received our reward. He said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And basically he's saying, okay, i got to look this way while this is going on. No, he's saying, don't be doing it to be showy. You know, uh, I was a treasurer at a church one time, and I had a guy that was giving gifts at the church that would give them to me directly because they were big enough he didn't want anybody else to know who was giving. You know, he'd just write out a ten, twenty thousand dollar check and go, just deposit this, it's for this. I'm going, okay. But he didn't want it going through the counters. He didn't want any hint of the amount of money he was giving to the church. He didn't want the praise. He didn't want anybody knowing. You know, what do we do? When we serve God, are we doing it to be seen or just to serve God? Unfortunately, sometimes when we do his work for the right reasons, we still get seen. But then we need to stay humble and say, it was for God. It was for God. I didn't do this just to be, to be seen, get to be known. There's a great danger on having people see what you do. Because it can get to a place where you just get a little bit proud. Huh, look, look, look what I'm getting done. Look, everybody's noticing me. Yeah. Well, God, really, all I'm doing is serving you, God, but 
it's very easy for the flesh to get built up and prideful. And sometimes God has to knock us down a few pegs and say, don't get pride. Don't get into this. You're serving me, serve me. And so our challenge for us today is, where are you laying your treasure? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you serving the God of love and life and taking your rewards for him? Or are you living for yourself? Each one of us needs to come to Christ. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. If you don't know him, today is the day to get to know him. Make him part of your life. And it isn't just saying, I believe. You know, we're told that the devils believe. Okay? The devils believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The devils believe that Jesus died for their sins. Died for sin. They believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The devils aren't going to heaven. Belief alone is not what it is. It's coming to him and saying, God, I'm putting my whole trust in you. Making him Lord and Master, saying, God, I'm going to let you be the one that controls me. When you do that, he comes and dwells in you, he puts a new heart in you, and you live a new life. It does start with the idea of, God, I, I accept that I'm a sinner, I deserve punishment, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, come and live in me. Change me and mean it. I have met many people in, in the 48 years I've been walking with God who, even in their very end of their life, realize that they don't know God. They've come to church all their life. They know the stories inside out. The other day I had somebody who goes, well, I might know the Bible better than you, and I'm going, you might. How much is the word is, is changing you? you know, Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think you'll find life in them. Life is standing right in front of you, though. <laughs> the word isn't where we're going to find our life directly, but it will show us who life is. It is not what takes us to heaven. Jesus is what takes us to heaven. We need to put our full trust in him and say, God, I want you. When he's there, he'll start changing you. It's miraculous to watch God change lives. And there's certain people around here that I look at and say, wow, God, you're, you are doing such a work in these people's lives. Look how much they have changed. You are changing them, God. Thank you. Then you look at other people in your life and you go, well, you know, they're, they're saying they're a Christian, but uh, God, are you really working in their life? It's not for me to decide, but it's like you look at them and say, don't know. I'm not seeing life produced. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever is, abides in me will produce much fruit. If we're not hooked into Jesus, we won't produce fruit. We won't be doing producing anything that people will look at and say, wow, that person's changed. That person lives for God. Even if we see it, we don't know for sure that they are, but you know, at least we can go, that person looks like they're saved. You know, so we want to be able to look at this. And we're going to close in prayer here. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask you that you go with us this week and show us. Lord, if there's anybody who doesn't know you listening on the Internet or even in this room that doesn't know you, we ask today that they will confess their sins and ask you into their heart and start living that changed life. And that they will communicate with another Christian that they have done so. 
And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.